This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? I gotta tell you what, man. Big Hurt from Fresh Out. Yeah. He says that you cannot be funny in jail. Really? Yes. He says that people that are funny in jail are just chuckleheads trying to make a gas out of everything. They don't take anything seriously. They're the ones that are getting their butt cheeks spread. They're the ones getting their wigs split. <laughs> oh, and my goodness. you have to take it seriously, and you got to teach yourself something. you got to go into the law room, and that's where you start reading. If you can't be funny in jail, I'll do great there. All right, this is the last <laughs> podcast on the left, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, hey. And we got Henry Zabrowski over in Los Angeles. Man, Big Herc is so serious. <laughs> he's so serious and he's so intense and he learned a lot. And he always says, like, I did 120 months in jail instead of 10 years. Uh-huh. And there's something about saying 120 months. It's so much more powerful. That's a lot of months. That is a lot of months. Speaking of serious, we got a big topic today. Oh. We're talking about the shoe fetish slayer, a.k.a. Jerry Brutus. Oh, Brutus. Brutus. I like Brutus better. Brutus, that's not even close to what his name is. Uh, Brutus and Brutus, that's close to what his name is. It's not accurate, but it's close, and I think I deserve some credit for that. Well, Jerome Jerry Brutus, a.k.a. the Shoe Fetish Slayer, was an Oregonian serial killer who kidnapped and murdered four women in just a little over a year in 1968 and 1969, hmm. acting as a shocking precursor to the mass amounts of serial killing to come over the next decade. Yeah, this guy was an OG. This guy was doing it before anybody else was doing it. But around the same time as uh, the uh, Boston Strangler, correct? Uh, years before the Boston Strangler. The Boston Strangler was the early 60s, early to mid-60s. Was he the first celebrity uh, serial killer? Really wasn't even that big of a celebrity. And in fact, uh, Albert DeSalvo is much better known uh, oh. than Jerry Brudos was. Jerry Brudos is one of those serial killers that just kind of got swept away into the dustbin of history. And honestly, I believe it's because it all happened around the same time as the Manson murders. Mm. Or at least he was uh, caught around the same time as the Manson murders. And they were both... Both West Coast stories, so the Manson murders just overtook Jerry Brudos, and Jerry Brudos has kind of been resigned to the dustbin of history. Yeah, or more like the weird-ass shoebox filled with saliva drippings of history, because he <laughs> loves shoes more than an Imelda Marcos, more than a Steve Madden even, because I don't yeah. even think Steve Madden ever came on a heel. I don't think so, more than a Zsa, Zsa Gabor even. So he sort of got the treatment that Farrah Fawcett got when Michael Jackson died. Yes. Everyone made yes, such a big you. deal out of Fa- <laughs> Farrah Fawcett was filming herself for months, and then she's like, it's finally the conclusion, which is theoretically her death, uh-huh. and then Michael Jackson took all the headlines. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, all of Jerry's murders were either committed in or near his garage that was only a padlock away from the house he shared with his wife and two children. Mm. The Benton County District Attorney in Oregon said this about Jerry Brudos. Jerome Brudos is the personification of cold, deliberate evil. He was like a two-headed snake or a chicken with five legs. <laughs> Why God created that type of creature, I have no idea. Except maybe to feed more people. <laughs> I am actually not even really sure how that's evil. <laughs> Just having five legs. A five-legged chicken sounds incredible. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It will fix so much shit. Yeah. It should have been that way. And that's why God does make mistakes mm. in, in, in this fucking fake-ass reality. I love that the worst thing this guy could think of is a five-legged chicken. <laughs> this man murdered four women. Uh, 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 kill it. Kill it! Well, Jerome Henry Brudos was born in Webster, South Dakota, just prior to America's entrance into the Second World War. The family lived on farms in those early days, but his father, a five-foot-five red-headed man named Henry, had an explosive temper hmm. and a hard time keeping a job. Huh. Well, maybe it was because no one wanted to listen to him, and people <laughs> said that his beliefs were horseshit, and that everything he says is a distraction from real life. Yeah. That, that his idea that people don't want to investigate into the true conspiracies that run this planet is a smokescreen, uh -huh. and that's what it's allowing you to live all your fucking puppet lives. Maybe that's why his father got Yo, so now mad. Now, why do I feel like you're talking about yourself there, Henry? <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Now, Jerry's mother, Eileen, was just as bad, if not worse. The Brudoses already had a boy, Larry, and Jerry, an accident, was hoped to be a girl. But when he got pushed out of that bitter old vagina and had a penis, he began life as a disappointment. Oh. Yeah, he's the same as the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Now, Brudos certainly isn't alone in the serial killer roundup and having a mother that was disappointed in her child's gender. Both Charles Manson and Henry Lee Lucas were dressed up as little girls by their mother and little-known serial killer Carol Cole, a.k.a. the Barfly Strangler, was dressed up as a girl and made to serve drinks to his mother and her horrible friends. I mean, they all just learned it from watching Flip Wilson. It was the comedy of the time. Dress the boy up like a girl, have him serving drinks. That's good humor. Now, this is the thing. I, I understand this is a bad thing to do to a child. Make him serve drinks, dress up in a fancy dress. But my parents ignored him. At least they included him in their lives. Your parents ignored you, but, I mean, this guy was learning a skill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you mean was learning a skill? How to be a waitress. <laughs> that is vocational training. <laughs> <laughs> On the job training. That's it. Maybe that's why I became the barfly strangler. Could be. Oh, we'll cover. We might cover the barfly strangler in an upcoming episode. There's not a whole lot of information out there about him, but what we do have is actually pretty fascinating. We might have to okay. have him in, like, a little serial killer hodgepodge roundup. Ooh, hodgepodge roundup. Oh. Yeah. Now, the Brudos family eventually landed in Oregon, and because Henry was constantly either working or looking for work. Jerry was left alone with Eileen and his older brother Larry, who got special treatment over Jerry at every turn. Mm. Now, Eileen would openly dote on her older son in front of Jerry, making sure he knew which son she loved the most from a very young age, all because he wasn't born a girl. Now, you might hmm. say the father could have said something at any time, but despite being an angry little man, he was still terrified of his wife 
just as Larry was, so they let her torture little Jerry as much as she pleased. Now, Henry, are you, or uh, Marcus, are you sure you're not reading from the Zabrowski Diaries? <laughs> Henry, is this your life? No, because when my father saw me all dressed up in my phantom outfit, he got very <laughs> mad. No, this is the problem. No, my father was just like, he was not afraid of my mother. He was just too busy having a great time uh-huh. with other people. <laughs> That's one way to survive a marriage, I guess. So when Jerry was five, he was playing in the dump, as is a perfectly normal activity Uh, for a five-year-old boy to do. Sounds defensive. Sounds very defensive. Well, I know you guys have made fun of me before about playing in the dump and how awesome it is. And I guarantee you there's going to be quite a few listeners who come to my side to say that playing in the dump is a wonderful childhood activity. Absolutely, because you just happen to live in a a less classy version of Slumdog Millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're supposed to play in places called playgrounds. (laughs) Dumps or for dumps. But that's fine. Just because you play in a dump doesn't mean you can't play in a playground. (laughs) Well, I think people don't want you to playground after you play in a dump. Now, there in the dump, Jerry would find something that would change the course of his life. A pair of patent leather heels decorated with rhinestones. Mm. Now, we don't know what it was exactly about these shoes that drew Jerry's attention. Could be that Jerry already had a healthy foot fetish going, and these were just the upgraded version of his mother's drab flats. I am pretty certain it was the rhinestones. Rhinestones are made to, to give things attention. That's the point. And this is difficult. You know, these rhinestone shoes in the 60s, that's not bedazzled. That's quality <laughs> rhinestoning. That is quality. Yeah. That's quality. Now Jerry took them home, put them on, and strutted around the house in front of his mother just trying to be cute. <laughs> but instead of laughing like any normal person would, Eileen was horrified and made him promise to take them back to the dome. You, once you are soaring in the sky, though, do you, te- do you tell a bird to take off its wings? He <laughs> understood immediately it was like me as a performer he was a born performer like all he had to do was like just let him dance and maybe he could have been a podcast comedian so his mother is hanging out at home her her son comes home like pig pen from peanuts uh (laughs) just wearing a bunch of shoes and then at the end it concludes with him having to drop them back off at the dump go back to the dump take the shoes back to to the dump dump. (laughs) what a childhood story we've all shared well, he didn't, of course. He loved him too damn much. Right. And so he hid him away. And when she found him wearing them again, she took him outside and burned the shoes in front of him while telling him how dirty of a boy he was being. Ooh. Now, one FBI profiler reckoned that when the mother burned the shoes, Brutus' sexuality got fused with feelings of aggression and hatred, which later manifested itself as first rape and assault and then eventually serial murder. It seems like a deleted scene from that Black Hole Sun music video <laughs> where they're burning the Barbies and everything else. It's just something about being called a dirty, nasty boy and having your favorite things just destroyed in front of you that makes you harder than a little fucking slab of granite. That's not <laughs> fair to do to a child. Now, the technical term for foot fetishism is podophilia. Mm. It is the most common form of sexual partialism. Partialism meaning being attracted to the parts of people that are of a non-reproductive nature, like ears or noses or elbows. Hmm. So we st- we shouldn't start calling our listeners podophiliacs? <laughs> no. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Not until we get specific permission. I see. Now, according to sociologist Martin Weinberg, podophilia usually stems from an experience the child has playing with their parent's foot, which makes sense considering how much time kids spend down there. Yeah, how much time did you spend down there, Marcus? I don't know. As much as any kid does. I did it for 
four seconds. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I'm never going to rub my mother's feet. I just can't imagine just sitting at the, the base of my father's recliner, just playing with his feet, being like, yeah, Henry Thomas, yeah. Yeah, he's like a little manicurist. I love seeing my son play with my heels. The stuff that I love better, going back to the boys to tell my, yeah, me and my son had some good quality foot playing time yesterday. <laughs> Very disturbing. Well, I mean, either way, watch out, parents. Anything and everything you do could one day conceivably become a sexual fetish for your child. Uh, think about that when you play with your children. Oh, exactly. don't think about that. Exactly. Look at what my mother's love of Barry Manilow did to my sister. <laughs> but shoe fetish is called Retifism, which is more Jerry speed. For Jerry, the foot is little more than a vessel for the shoe. And as we'll see later, not even the body was required for Jerry to get what he needed. So when Jerry's first pair of heels were burned by his mother, he went searching elsewhere. He discovered that his first grade teacher kept a pair of heels in her desk just in case she had a hot date after school with a local flyboy. Well, I don't know what a flyboy is. The fly girls were on In Living Color, J-Lo, very talented group. But now what the heck is a flyboy? Flyboy, it's in World War II. So there's a bunch of pilots. They're all running around. Pilots. Having- <laughs> I see. I didn't realize they were called flyboys. It's the 1960s version of fuckboy. Ah, uh, I see. Uh, this this is still 50s, this is, or this is still 40s. This Whoa. is like 1943, 44. Wow. 1940s version of fuckboy. <laughs> so Back this is in the, the day, they just call that, you just eventually just becomes your husband. Yeah, these, this is the greatest generation that I've heard so much about. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Jerry grabbed the shoes when she wasn't looking and hid them under a pile of blocks so he could take them home later. But they were discovered by another kid before Jerry could secret them away. Jerry didn't confess for days, and we, when he finally did, he found the teacher wasn't really angry and was just more confused than anything. But still, the whole thing left him humiliated, and he had one more negative emotion to attach to his burgeoning fetish. This guy, the, 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 uh, the kid that found the shoes, he's a snitch, <laughs> and, and I don't like him. I mean, what if just let Jerry have the shoes? Well, I don't think the kid actually snitched on him. I think it's just like, teacher, what are your shoes doing on all these blocks? Oh, and he's I like, see. shut up, shut up. <laughs> these are my special shoes. And this is before Forrest Gump. Before then, they'd all be like, oh, like Forrest Gump. <laughs> But not all of his relationships with women were humiliating. He forged a friendship, as sometimes kids do, with an older woman who lived nearby and didn't treat him like an abomination. Jerry would sometimes pretend the woman was his mother, but unfortunately, she had diabetes and got sicker and sicker throughout their friendship until finally she couldn't have visitors anymore. And if that Mm. wasn't enough, Jerry's best friend, a little girl, died from tuberculosis the same year. Hold on a second. So his only two friends in the world, one died of diabetes and one died of tur- tuberculosis? Yeah. Oh, I guess he had a, a lot of shoes. Did he get any shoes out of it? <laughs> no, I don't I don't so. know. I'm trying to find some silver lining here for the poor kid. This is all the time with these serial killers. I have to remember they murdered people because yeah. it tends to be sad in the beginning. It's always sad. You in don't the beginning. Of course it is. It's yeah. very sad. But he also took these, these two deaths as a uh, rejection. Like, these things made him mad. When she died of tuberculosis, that little girl, he blamed the universe, and he blamed her for going on and being like, basically, you, you like, went away from me. You, you left me alone. 
which is a weird fuel that eventually later on we find out he carries this weird longing for this older woman and this little girl throughout the rest of his life. Hmm. Yeah. When he talked about the burning of the shoes, he always brought up the diabetes woman and the tuberculosis girl. He couldn't hmm. talk about one without talking about the other two. It was very bizarre how interlinked all three of these were. And it was very similar to Son of Sam with his mother. It was kind of all connected back where he got spanked and that made him real hard for that fucking that little shoe. He'd think about the shoes that made him real, really hard. And the two most positive women in his life both just leave him. And then all of a sudden, like Son of Sam with the mother leaving, it's become solidified like women are the enemy. And how old are we talking here? Five, six. Oh, okay. So pretty formative years. Oh, very the formative. old brain there. Yeah. Now, Brutus was generally a pretty gross kid. His fingers and toes were so beset by fungal infections mm. that he needed several surgeries to fix the problem. Uh, hello there. My name's Derry. You can shake my hand now because <laughs> it seems to be my problem is fixed and my charity and sincerity as a person is no longer catching. <laughs> the fungus is gone. The fungus is gone. That is what I'm trying to say. Beautiful, beautiful hands. And that was in addition to the ballooned veins on his leg that required two more surgeries. No, 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 other children, there's nothing wrong with the balloons in my legs. It's like I'm an upside-down old man from up. It is just fun and nice. I need more friends! I love the way that Jerry Brutus as a child sort of turns into Charles Ng at the end. It does. It does. I need to fix that. I need to fix that. Well, Jerry had measles, constant sore throats, and migraines so bad you can count on Jerry to spew vomit on a fairly regular basis. He literally is a South Park character. <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. What I do like is that every time he throws up, he's just trying, he's saying he's dropping weight so he could fly up because of the balloons in his legs. You know what I mean? He's just dropping weight. I get it. No, his IQ was slightly above average, but like a lot of these guys, he was a bit of a dullard in school, and as his mother was quick to remind him, Jerry never got as good a grades as Larry. God, just and every time it makes him hard. You know, I got to say this interesting thing that my parents did regarding raising me. My mom would always say, C's get degrees, and they never showed me my report card. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I kind of love it. They were just like, we're happy you're breathing. Are you in school breathing? We're so proud of you, Ben. They wanted you to die suicide bombing an abortion clinic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is possible. I do think that my parents would be very proud of me if I did that, yes. They would be more proud of you for suicide bombing an abortion clinic. Well, with my two gay older brothers, and if I did that, they would say, yes. He's the the good one. Our favorite. Yeah, that's probably true in a sad way. I would love to see that press conference. So when Jerry was in first grade, his parents had a neighboring family with a teenage daughter over for a visit. The daughter wasn't feeling well, so she went upstairs to the bedroom to take a nap. Mm. Jerry walked into the room while she was asleep and saw that she was wearing high heels. He tried taking them off, but she woke up, understandably freaked out that a little boy was trying to steal her shoes, and she ordered him out of the room. No, 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 see, no. I'm not stealing your shoes, eh? (laughs) I'm like the tooth fairy, see? Yeah, it's it for feet, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Go back! to sleep. Go back to sleep. You're just off and waking up. Because think about this. Because code, 
in the 1950s for not feeling well is that she's on her period. Yeah. She went up ah. there to sleep off her period, which is, I think, a thing that you can do. <laughs> I'm not th- an expert on the female body. <laughs> I don't think you are. It yeah. would, you, can't, you can't just sleep for five days. <laughs> Sometimes it's good. You just put a, I think a way to cure it is that you put like a sack over their head like a canary and they just go right to sleep. <laughs> I don't I, know. I don't think. No, I know you don't know because you've said nothing of reason <laughs> I don't regarding. Know. I don't know. Yes, ovulation. But the idea of that she went up there to, to kind of sleep it off, and then you just got this little weird boy coming in, because he's like five years old. Yeah, yeah. So just stealing your shoes and smelling in them. So she's up there like Carmen Electra when she was dating Prince, forced to sleep <laughs> with high heels and a full wedding gown. Is this the first time that he's ever actually gone and taken it off of a person? Yep. This so is this the, is an escalation. This is the very first time uh, that Jerry Brudos has ever actually, I wouldn't say uh, necessarily, say attacked another human being but this is the first time he's actually interacting with a human being. Mm. Jerry Brudos is a case study in escalation. Mm. Uh, You can see throughout his life he slowly inches his way towards serial murder starting at five years old. For a time Jerry had a partner in all this. He moved next door to a family with a couple of teenage daughters and Jerry and the girl's brother would sneak into their room to play with the girl's clothes. You know, trying them on, trying to be funny, having a good time. It is fine. It is sort of normal in a way. I think it's normal for me, but for boys to be curious about stuff sure, like that. Sure, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I used to dress up. Sure. What was that? No, I want to hear what you were just about to yeah, say. Yeah, I want to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to dress up as a ninja. That oh. was normal. Oh. Yeah, that was fine. And sometimes I put my later hosen on. That, that's a whole other story. Yeah, your later hosen. Yeah, yeah, Mark has. <laughs> what do you mean your later hosen? I had later hosen. Why did you have later hosen? It's hosen. It's hosen you can wear now or later. It's later hosen. He comes from the lineage of people that are are bravely defending those beautiful statues. <laughs> Don't even go there. I've been getting death threats for my appearance. Is on that wonderful Fox News channel yes. all week. Yes, Ben has been getting death threats for uh, standing against up for what, Nazis. Being against Nazis, Good. standing up for what he believes in. Who, God damn it. Who would have thought 2017, don't offend the Nazis, apparently. <laughs> don't you offend those Nazis. I guess They not. are consumers. Uh, <laughs> but you think about it. With him and his boyfriend, his friend as a kid, going and stealing these clothes, it was sort of like Porky's. Uh, like, think about how they used to have, the frat guys used to have the whole have panty raids yeah. nights where they used to go out and break into the girls' dorms, and it was fun and innocent, but I guess technically it never was. No. It yeah. just was at the time, but now it's not. Yes, <laughs> it, yes. Abs- you go back, you watch Porky's or even Animal House, and you're like, felony, felony. That's a felony. That's a felony. And we got another felony. Definitely (laughs) felony. Now, it might be that this experience Jerry had with his friend breaking it or going into the little boy's uh, sister's rooms and playing with the clothes, this might be Jerry's first experience with cross-dressing, which would become a lifelong obsession. But it must be remembered that Jerry was just a little kid when all this was going on. He hadn't yet associated his fetish with sexual feelings Hmm. as he had none. And that's not to say that cross-dressing is always sexual. It isn't. But in the case of Jerry Brudos, it most definitely was. Yeah, yeah, big time. He said that uh, later on, he said that during these times when he would play with women's clothes, he would get a funny feeling. 
and that it it, it 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 blossomed. It just fucking ripped out of the ass into a big old sexual fetish. Huh. Yeah. All Jerry knew was that even possessing women's clothing and shoes was considered dirty and forbidden, but it made him feel good. So when his sexuality came into bloom, that feeling of pleasure was associated with a deep, deep shame. And as our man Peter Vronsky points out in The Method in Madness of Monsters, he points out the paraphilias a lot of times are associated with shame. And when you combine shame with the hatred of women for making you feel that shame, along with a sense of abandonment, along with frustration and violent tendencies, you get a man like Jerry Brudos. That's the soup. That's the soup. That's the soup right there. We're getting into the soup. Now, I am wondering, why did he feel such shame when it comes to wearing the dresses and the shoes? Uh, is he was he trying to his appease mom used his to beat the shit out no, of him? No, but was he trying to appease his mother? It wasn't really that. He, I mean, first of all, it was his mother. You know, his mother hated him, openly hated him, and she, he. Uh, and as he grew older, he came to openly despise her, hmm. like actually telling her that he did not like her, he did not love her. Uh, but it's also you got to remember, it's nineteen. It's the mid nineteen fifties, mid to late nineteen fifties. Hmm. You know, this shit wasn't socially acceptable. The word fetish wasn't even a word that most people knew in the nineteen fifties. The only thing that we knew was Barry Goldwater loved to get spanked with needles. <laughs> Just a paddle full of nails. But also, what did we learn from Star Wars? What? It's not hate, but a deep, deep love. <laughs> a part of the whole, the, this whole storyline is that he, of course, loved his fucking mother so much, and he did desperately want her, her approval, especially through childhood, and then that naughty, naughty boy was always dancing around in ladies' clothes, and it just, ooh, it just me. It was against all the rules and that really fucking got right in there that curdle got log right in the back of his throat i'm uncomfortable i i personally feel uncomfortable well a lot of people when uh, you know they discover their fetish when they're a kid a lot of them describe that funny feeling uh before they actually hit puberty and start to develop sexual feelings they describe yeah. that that funny feeling and of course like the vast vast majority of fetishes are totally normal absolutely fine nothing wrong with it mm -hmm. uh but when they blossom into um killing women to make them your living dolls mm. that's when it's a problem yes. Ooh, that's the red line i agree <laughs> yeah i agree that's the red line that's the red line yeah. right there. I do believe okay. that there were several Tony Bennett songs about that little funny feeling, <laughs> but we didn't realize till later on is that what Tony Bennett was just fucking, he had women's panties just jammed all the way up the crack of his ass <laughs> and loved San Francisco. And I'm just talking about the city. He just loved the structure of the city. Oh, yeah. It's a beautiful city. Architecture. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, who came out to our show at Outside Lands. Yeah, that was we, actually amazing. We in had San a fantastic time there. Metallica was very tired. Yes. Yes. And I saw The Who, which was fun. Who were not tired at no, all, no. despite being older than Metallica. Yeah. What about the allegations Pete Townsend? <laughs> I know. We're not going to talk about it. So when Jerry got to be a teenager, he found a box of his brother's homemade pornography. Hmm. Apparently, Larry was quite the artist and had a taste for the shoe as well, as he had drawn a number of pictures of Lois Lane naked while wearing heels. This is like the equivalent of when we were going to talk about the internet when we were kids, about how like you had to wait for your mom to get off the phone and the dial-up right. to get there. It's like when our grandparents used to say it took like two miles to be like, this is how old school yeah. it was. In order to see titties, you had to draw them. Yeah, <laughs> but it would only it would only be similar to the internet if you're watching your brother draw the titties the face and you're like oh this is getting really good and then he draws a dick because that <laughs> happened that was just like the internet of the 90s was just like super hot super hot no oh, man God. and it happened to all of us 
And before that, we had to wait until one of our uh, friend's fathers left the family and left his entire <laughs> pornography collection behind. Well, we got some good news, some good news about the divorce, uh, son. Here's a, here's a disgusting um, gar- uh, garbage bag. That's exactly what it was. Your father left a garbage bag of pornography in the shed. <laughs> it's yours now, son. My older sister's first husband gave me a garbage bag filled with Nugget magazine. I think I've talked about this before, which is tow truck driver porn. <laughs> wow. Oh, about those drawings, Larry kept them locked away, but Jerry managed to jimmy the lock and was taking a look when his mother caught him in the act. Jerry knew his mother would never believe Larry had drawn the pictures, so he just owned up to it and took all the blame. He's like, yeah, I drew the pictures. Yeah, I was looking at him. Whatever. And that's really cool of Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't throw this. Like, honestly, he didn't throw his brother under the bus. Him and Larry actually had a pretty strong relationship at some point where Larry was like, you got to stop even worrying about mom. Mom's never going to like you. Like, he was trying to level with him and be like, I'm great. <laughs> right. We all know that everybody loves Larry. You, Jerry... You're on the B team. I don't understand. Why do I got to be on the B team? <laughs> it's because you were born wrong. You did everything wrong. You don't have any social skills, and you're not good at anything. And frankly, I can't even publicly hang out with you. But yeah. Larry, we're brothers. You should be having a good day. But, you know, it's always the, the favorite one that has a more boring life. They yeah. go about the normal way of living, and it's always the young one that the parents are just like, I don't know, should we have kept him? Should we not have? And then when they get a paycheck when you're 40 years old for a million bucks, then they're grateful they had you. I'll tell you that much. I'm not talking personally. I'm not foreshadowing into the future with my parents. They'll be happy they had me. Uh, Jerry said he never masturbated as a teenager, but rather was a victim of almost constant nocturnal emissions. And when his mother would discover the stains, she would make him hand wash his sheets while berating him. Just making him harder and harder every single time. It's just like you're just making the perfect serial killer diamond right now. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, I I suppose it's kind... I don't know. You clean your sheets. Yeah, but you don't berate him. No, you shouldn't berate him. And in fact, you know, it's a teenager. Teenagers have wet dreams. That's just how it goes. It's part of a parent's job to just wash the sheets and nobody says a word about it. That is... Is very true. Yeah, you should never berate your kid like Gomer Pyle, uh, <laughs> like you're Lee Army and he's Gomer Pyle. Yeah, I will tell you what. You know how you don't have nocturnal emissions? You start jerking off when you're seven, like I did. Ugh. I started jerking Ugh. off real early, and I just got it out. I fucking emptied the shotgun at every single time, so it would not accidentally go off and commit suicide in my bed. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna chart we're gonna we're gonna mark that as knowledge I didn't want. <laughs> Zero desire to hear. That. Write that down. Yeah. And be, uh, let's put file that under seeing Henry's penis. Yep. Oh, terrible memories of being bullied. I'm gonna squeeze that right in oh, in a bad football practice. It's going right between those two. <laughs> Just me jerking off so my mom doesn't my mom is outside of the bathroom trying to get in there. I'm jerking off looking at the Jenny McCarthy on the cover of TV guide at my feet. I'm eight years old, just having a grand old time. Thank you for expanding (laughs) on the idea. Uh, This is when Jerry started fantasizing about committing acts of violence against women, playing the old I can't kill my mother, so I'll kill others card Mm. we saw specifically in that old bumblebutt Ed Kemper, Mm. who has actually quite a bit in common with Brudos. But instead of Mm. killing his grandparents, Brudos started off a little smaller than Ed Kemper. Because see, Ed Kemper, of course, like, 
he he had that whole like transference thing, you know. Like first he killed his grandparents, mm. and then when he got out of the uh, asylum, he went back to live with his mother. His mother, of course, was horrible, berated him the entire time. For more on Ed Kemper, go listen to our series on Ed Kemper. Yes, uh, but Ed Kemper eventually took out all of his frustrations on coeds on young girls and eventually ended up taking it out on his mother and you wonder if jerry brudos had gone on a little longer if he might have done the same thing interesting it's also sort of like what i'm discovering is that there's a whole other category of serial killer that i am now starting to realize it's a baby huey type of serial killer it's kemper son of sam Brudos, Gary Ridgway's very similar. These kind of soft bodies, big, fat, flat-faced, dumb shit <laughs> guys that are all like, <laughs> like, it's flappy, real flappy, loose-bodied pieces of shit. These are the guys that are out there. They're, they're all doing these weird mommy crimes. Yeah, I see. So we have to add a new character, a new category, Baby Hueys. <laughs> That's interesting. And maybe Gacy's in there as well. Close. Uh... He just looks like a baby here. Now, G- Gacy is uh, his has a lot more to do with his father. Yeah, uh, Ma- he's yeah, a mad, yeah. at, he's a mad, at, mad at himself for being gay killer. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's also a, a whole other category. Okay, uh, Jerry Burroughs, his career started off when he dug a tunnel near his house, which he dreamed about using as a dungeon to keep female prisoners. What's interesting about this is hmm. that this age, Jerry had no actual concept of sex aside from what he'd seen farm animals do. And that's a really disgusting and shameful way to describe fellow Oregonians out in society. You just don't call them animals just because they're from Oregon. <laughs> That's horrible of him. I'm a big fan of Oregon. So he just, or is it Oregon? Oregon? Uh, I, I always say it wrong. Oregon. But Oregon. I actually it's, heard it's, it. It's, 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 or, it's Oregon. It's Oregon? It's Oregon. Like Oregon? Uh, yes. Yeah, Oregon. Is that right? A ray gun. I have no idea. <laughs> um, so he's just watching a bunch of animals have sex with each other, and I would assume in public education here, they're not really going through sex ed and the normal sort of process. Absolutely not. He, okay. grew, up, he grew up on farms, so of course ah. he saw animals having sex, but he didn't know if that was any sort of erotic thing. He, had, he d- hadn't yet made the connection between what's between his own legs and what's between the dog's legs. Oh my! <laughs> you disgusting, Kissel. It's <laughs> no, about you. Just saying, oh my. Oh, no, it was, it it was really disgusting. disgusting. I didn't say hot stuff. I said, oh my. It's one of my three go-to's when I'm disgusted. Today's sponsor for last podcast on the left is Stamps.com. Going to the post office can be such a drag. Lines are long. It's always out of the way. But thankfully, you can avoid the hassle of the post office and instead mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international, with Stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer. Simply click print mail and you're done. And unlike the post office, Stamps.com never closes. Print postage for letters or packages at your convenience. 24-7. Plus, they'll send you a digital scale that automatically calculates exact postage and help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. Even get discounts you can't get at the post office. You know what kind of discounts you can get at the post office? You can't get none. You can get them at stamp.com. Stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips. We've used Stamps.com here at Last Podcast and Left and Past, and we're completely and totally satisfied with the results. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in L-E-F-T. That's Stamps.com. Enter L-E-F-T. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. 
And Jerry would think about capturing women and taking them to the tunnel. But once he got them there, the only thing he wanted was to hear their screams for mercy. So if he had just stopped there, technically he could have just been a record producer. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps. Now, in addition to building the tunnel, Jerry also started slipping into women's houses while they were asleep to steal their clothes and shoes. He'd also take drying panties from clotheslines. He also said he never masturbated to orgasm, which is very strange. And he would fondle these, and I just don't understand. Maybe it's just because I don't have this fetish, but I don't really understand how it's just sexual to sit and rub cloth together because when I wear clothes I'm covered in cloth always and nothing makes me less horny than wearing a shirt yeah it's it's interesting so he has this shoe fetish all he wants to do is hear women scream it's just unfortunate the cranberries weren't a band then <laughs> yes. because I think he could just listen to them over and over again yes. and feel totally satisfied with everything <laughs> what God, Jerry how many times do we have to listen to this cranberries album <laughs> I'm so sick of it. This is the only album that fucking gets it. The Cranberries <laughs> got the it factor. They got the they got the, the real skills to keep it going. And most has got to do with that Irish woman that looks like she's been kept inside of a cage. <laughs> the woman, the lead singer from the Cranberries, looks like she's been kept inside of a cage for a very long time. She looks malnourished. I love the Cranberries, but yes. Well, but tellingly. Jerry said he never once even thought about touching his mother's clothing. Thank God. Now, it could have been out of fear, but I think one line from Jerry says it all. In a jailhouse interview, Jerry said, almost in a pout, she never, never wore high heels. Oh, gosh. So in Jerry's mind, this is an insult to his mother. Well, and Jerry, well, she just, Isn't, she's just not his type. Wasn't there a serial killer who uh, commented to a woman that he she he would not kill her as an insult? I forget there there was some jailhouse interview. We can move on. I forget the killer, but he's like, I wouldn't even kill you, and it was very funny. Seems like something you saw in lockdown. Yeah, could be locked yes. up. Yeah. yeah, locked up on. <laughs> yeah, it's a great show on MSNBC on Sundays. So. Yeah, so Jerry's mother, like, she wasn't his type at all, but the clothes he did steal, he hid away, and later evidence from the murders would suggest that he moved some of this stuff from house to house for damn near two decades. Mm. Now, unfortunately, Jerry hadn't gotten any more attractive as he grew into his teenage years. He was covered in acne, officially diagnosed as acne vulgaris. I love the doctors just like, let's make it sound worse than it is. We'll call it acne vulgaris just in case he thought about having a date. <laughs> hey, but how about this idea? I was thinking maybe we call it acne no fuckamums. <laughs> it's acne no fuckamums. They'll never fuck them, right? Is that a good idea? I like Come it. on, guys. Let's get these pieces of shit with pimples. <laughs> <laughs> it's a war on pimples. Jerry was also clumsy, and he was pudgy and had a bit of a piggy face. Oh. You know what I'm talking about with the piggy face, right? Yeah, of course I do. He also continually talked about the silent majority. He's the Newt Gingrich of serial killers. <laughs> he looks a lot like Newt Gingrich. He does. He does. Well, he was described as having a moon face as well. And uh, not yeah. like a Ray Charles from Pepsi cool moon face. Right. Like one of the weird like Smashing Pumpkins video. Moon face. Ah. Uh, trip to the moon, moon face. Oh. Yeah. And yes. all of this, all of these physical uh, problems, this was all along with being ridiculously shy. But still, like all teenage boys, Jerry wanted to see a girl naked. But instead of patiently waiting for the right gal to come along, Jerry pulled something that was both extremely dumb and extremely sinister hmm. all at the same time. First, he broke into a teenage girl's house and stole her underwear. Then, the next day, he went to her house and knocked on the door. 
When she answered, he told her that he was an undercover police officer assigned to catch a neighborhood panty thief so assigned because nobody would expect a 17-year-old boy to be an undercover police officer. I would, li- I would hey, love to me there, uh, ma'am. Um, uh, my name is uh, Officer Brutus. Uh, nice to see you there. Um, uh, yes, absolutely, ma'am. I don't mean to interrupt. Am I interrupting any? <laughs> No, you, you seem a little bit young to be yeah, honest. No, I do, don't I? Don't I? Absolutely, yeah, of course I do. But what I have here is I have this bag filled with your most silky, most forbidden panties. I don't know how I got them. But I will say I'm one of the first of a young brigade. I'm, I, I was recently uh, invited into the FBI, female body inspectors. Uh-huh. I see. And they want to make sure that your panties are safe and warm inside your body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I completely believe that you're an undercover uh, officer, but can you just explain what happened at the FBI for training, if you want to get into that a little bit? They just said, hey, 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 do you have a fucking unbelievable need for elastic and satin? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm your guy. I'm a cop then. Did that make me a cop? I guess so. I'm a cop then. <laughs> Uh, Jerry told her to come to his house when no one was home so they could discuss the case further because if anyone were to see them together, he might get his cover blown and the whole operation would go up in flames. Hmm. Now, the girl figured Jerry Brudos for harmless. She just played along more out of boredom than anything. It's like, yeah, let's just see what this fat weirdo has to say. (laughs) Why not? And maybe I'll get my fucking panties back. Let's just see. Well, I mean, it didn't hurt that he looked like Dennis Franz from NYPD. Well, actually, Ann Rule wrote uh, in The Lust Killer, where uh, we get a lot of this information, she wrote that at that age, Jerry Brudos just looked like a big clown. Yeah, he was a big, weird, goofy guy. At this point, it's just like a porno version of The Little Rascals, (laughs) where you don't have to change any of the names, which is great. I mean, this is still, right now, we are in Porky's. Okay. Like this is firmly like this is the deleted act. This is the deleted plot line of Porky's, right? Oh, now. I see. But that girl greatly underestimated what young Jerry Brudos was capable of. When the girl knocked on the door and went into the house, Jerry called her upstairs. When she got there, she found an empty room. And as she walked around confused, Jerry jumped out of the closet wearing a mask, knife in hand. Hmm. He ordered her to take off all her clothes. And once she was naked, he took an entire film roll's worth of pictures Hmm. before running out of the room. Then, thinking he was being clever, he ran back inside without the mask on, doing the fake heavy breathing thing as the girl was running down on the stairs because he told and he told her that someone with a mask on had locked him in the barn. Are you okay? That is so scary. Yeah. If you just think about the idea, because like, it does sound like a little bit, it does sound like a childhood prank. It sounds like a little kid's idea of a way to see a woman naked and you, even as weird little boys, you could see like friends talking about that horrible shit before you start realizing that that is wrong to do, before society politely eventually tells you you don't do that kind of shit. He 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 kind of had the weird confidence to do it, which is essentially, I guess, the X factor that made him a serial killer. Well, so now we have some real escalation happening here. So we got the we're we starting at the dump. Yeah. Then we're going to the sleeping girl, and now we're here at live action. Um, well, really, and, and sort of set the scene here. Really created this entire theatrical event. Yeah, yeah, we're going for. I mean, really, it it really did start with uh, the girl's shoes, and then it went into the theft and breaking and entering. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, now he is, you know, forcibly. Um, I mean, he's committing assault right. uh, upon women. Uh, and the girl, of course, knew that Jerry was lying when he came 
doing the fake heavy breathing thing, but she didn't report it at the time because she was afraid that Jerry was going to take it a step further uh, if she did. And, of course, you know, shit, it's 19, it's the early 1960s. Right. You know, t- shit like this went unreported all the time. And, hell, shit still does. Shit still does go unreported like yep. this. Uh, and since she said nothing, Jerry believed he'd gotten away with it, and the escalation continued and got even worse the next time. Hmm. His next act of violence came eight months later in 1956. He convinced a girl from school to let him give her a ride. He instead drove her out to the middle of nowhere, forced her out of the car, and ordered her to disrobe. When she said no, Jerry beat her with his fist, breaking her hmm. nose. But thankfully, at this time, there were witnesses. And when a couple driving by stopped to see what was going on, Jerry tried saying the girl had just fallen out of the car accidentally and was hysterical. And he was trying to calm her down. So weird. But when it became obvious that that was bullshit, he switched his story to say that he'd been driving by and saw the girl being attacked by a quote-unquote weirdo hmm. whom Jerry fought off and chased away. Also, again, it's distancing. The first yes, because basically he got a yes by her not reporting, which of course is very, very difficult. Like what you said, it's the 1950s. Who's going to believe this girl? Yeah, we don't want a victim blame. Of course, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm just saying that 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 to him was the first like a green light. Right, right. So now he's behaving in this very sort of on the spectrum like, like behavior of like, I can just say shit. And, and people won't care. It's almost like a child. Like, he's obviously, because he still is a kid, even yeah. though he's 17 years old. He's sort of been kind of, like, trapped as a six-year-old now, especially in his sexuality, because he's really just obsessed with seeing a captive woman nude, which is a very, uh, I mean, it's an obviously immature way to view at uh, a human being. And then he seems to have this sort of hero storyline he likes to put in there as well. Mm-hmm. It's very bizarre. Well, it's a way to ab- absolve himself, because that's right. the thing. Because he does doesn't care he has no conscience whatsoever at this point he is already a full-blown sociopath mm. so he doesn't yeah. need what he needs is the approval of others but he still wants to do horrible shit so in both of these scenarios him trying to play the hero isn't about him trying to make himself the hero it's him trying to have other people see him as the hero because that's a way to get out of the trouble yes and that happens a lot a lot of these people serial abusers are charming yes yeah. and that's what makes it so difficult for a lot of the people who are being used to come forward because people are like, no, not Jerry. Yeah. Funny Jerry who always wears the heels. He's a nice guy. <laughs> I hear he's a cop. You know, like it, it really puts them in a difficult position. Yeah. And neither one of Jerry's excuses uh, to the couple that drove up on this, uh, neither one of those excuses worked. And so Jerry folded up his rage and meekly went along with them back to their farmhouse where they called the police and Jerry was arrested. A police searched his room and found the photographs he'd taken of his last victim along with a pirate's bounty of women's underwear and shoes. And that isn't a correct amount. Technically, a pirate's amount of, of panties is seven <laughs> because it's that's, that's as much as you can keep on a trip around the English Channel. Oh, that's as many I see. as you can take and keep. Oh, all right. But since we have evidence that Jerry actually later used underwear he'd stolen as a teenager, it follows that Jerry had a second Better hidden stash, or the cops just let him keep it all with a boys will be boys attitude. Ah, uh, you can hear I uh, will keep ease here, yeah, yeah, little matey. It's funny, is it? He can keep the panties. I got a whole woman's head in my squad car. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the police are sort of doing the boys will be boys uh, narrative a little too loosely here. Well, I don't think that that's not normal boys will be boys behavior. Well, I'm not sure if that's exactly what the cops did, but that's but they let him keep you, it. That well, they who knows? They may have just not found his second stash. I see. But if they did find his stash, they might have said like. 
like, oh, well, you know, let him keep a couple. I don't. Okay, maybe. And then once he went to the hospital for psychiatric evaluation, attitude kind of continued a little bit. Uh, So when cops found the pictures, they also found Jerry's first victim, who happily fingered him for the crime. He was charged as a juvenile offender and was sent to Oregon State Hospital for psychiatric evaluation. Mm. The diagnosis there was depression. Depression. Along with, quote-unquote, questionable judgment and hindsight. And despite him kidnapping two girls, holding one at knife point, and beating the other with his fist, breaking her nose, doctors determined he had no homicidal tendencies. Uh, They said he was suffering from, quote-unquote, adjustment reaction from adolescence with sexual deviation and fetishism. Okay, I, depression. I've seen a lot of Prozac commercials. Yeah. I see people staying in bed, walking on the beach alone, yeah. re- eating alone. At no point do I see the Prozac commercial where the person is breaking and entering, stealing panties, sniffing shoes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like depression to me. Did you see me sniffing a shoe when you came into the studio today? No. <laughs> Press people don't do that. See? See? <laughs> no, but he's extremely depressed. But these are just the American commercials, Kissel. In the UK, they have a oh, lot I more. Like, they have a lot less stringent uh, uh, FCC regulations, so they can really show their real symptoms of depression, like sucking on severed feet. Oh, okay. And, I didn't and, really and, having, and having hooks in your garage that you put humans on. Oh, I understand. Uh, Brutos did the same song and dance that a lot of these sociopaths do when they get caught. They know exactly how to act to gain sympathy and just how much remorse to show, making the doctors think, by George, it must all be some huge misunderstanding that landed this nice young man here. Guys, let me ask a question to the group. Why is it that sociopaths are so good at talking to authority and so bad at talking to their peers? Mm. Why is he, how can he, why why are they able to charm the people that, that basically can keep their freedom and and very bad at, at like basically learning how to just speak to a woman so that you can see her nude consensually. Well, I think it's because uh, with psychiatrists and with mental health professionals, there's a goal. The sociopath knows what those people want to hear. They know how to trick those people because there is a generally accepted uh, path towards sanity or a generally accepted path uh, towards freedom. But people are different. Nobody, right. there. everybody, every single person is different. And you can't really tell what that person wants to hear until you actually get to know them. Yep. Uh, and usually sociopaths and people like that, like they can't get past that first conversation. Yeah. I, I totally understand what you're saying. I've lost a lot of dates talking about Gerald Ford. Yes. Uh, I think he's a great <laughs> underrated president. I didn't know that wasn't the path to a relationship. Now tell me, Marcus, so you're saying that like the old adage goes, and I had read this recently, it's from the book of Anansi, the mischievous god, uh, spider god from Africa, um, is that life is like a box of chocolate. I don't think that that's <laughs> right. In a way that um, that because you don't know what you're going to get unless you look at the label. Right. That tells you what the chocolates are. Right. But then you have to have the label, which means you're in the matrix <laughs> and you've woken up. Yeah. You know, the thing about that analogy is you do know what you're going to get. Chocolate. It's chocolates. <laughs> So, but are you gonna get coconut or caramel or something worse? Look at the You're fucking description chocolate. box. Look at the fucking <laughs> sheet of paper they they fucking give you. You do imagine you could just end the entire movie of Forrest Gump in the first scene where you're just like Forrest, flip it over, <laughs> just flip the box over. There's a whole diagram. Oh, I didn't know. I've been choking on these almonds for so long. Tell me 
So I am dumb. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have done any of the shit I did. Oh, Forrest. No, no. no human relationships are, are extremely complex. Thank you, Marcus. But a relationship with a mental health professional, uh, you can game that. Uh, pretty fucking easily. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and there are some people uh, who were a- who are able to game personal relationships. Ted Bundy was very good at it. Uh, yes. John Wayne Gacy was very good at it. Um, there's plenty of sociopathic personalities that are able to game actual human relationships, mm-hmm. person after person after person. Because you got to remember, the vast majority of sociopaths aren't homicidal. Right. Um, you know, there are certain sociopaths who specialize in relationships. Mm-hmm. Who that's their whole game. That's what yeah. they want to do. They want to destroy people. People. They want to get someone in their grasp. They want to make them. Uh, they want to make that person love them, and then they want to twist their head off emotionally. Well, and to that to that point about Bundy, he worked at the suicide hotline. Yeah, so he had to have some human interaction skills. Yeah, I tip my fedora to you, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? That's a good thing. Is, I'm just saying. No, I'm, it's a good thing for us. Chip a fedora and a fedora to you. Yeah, but a fedora has negative connotations these days. No. Oh, yeah. It does. It has big negative it connotations. It does. Not if you put a baseball card in it. Which I don't know why what I said it has anything to do with fedoras. I didn't think fedoras were that controversial. I'm just saying. Just saying what? I'm just saying that if we were having this conversation at an Obampa, people would be leaving. <laughs> like it's like normal. <laughs> like our whole lives. <laughs> No, Brutus, while he was in the mental institution, he was allowed to go to high school during the day and spent nights at the hospital for eight months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. I know all you girls want to line up and ask me to go to the dance, but unfortunately, I cannot be there. I have to go to the mental asylum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's if he spun this the right way, there's a certain Fonzie element to it. Just, like, start elbowing jukeboxes, have him play the hits of the time. But I don't think he was quite as cool as the Fonz. No. Mm. No. And the whole incident was hushed up as well. Not only did nobody who went to high school with Jerry remember the incidents, nobody really seems to remember Jerry at all. Mm. Even after he was accused and convicted of murdering four women... He was such a non-entity that not a single person was even able to give an, oh, yeah, that guy. In fact, he was so forgettable that one of his defense attorneys was shocked to find out that not only had they gone to the same high school and graduated the same year, but they had actually shared the same homeroom all throughout. Hey, man, it's crazy to fucking see you like this, man. (laughs) This is fucking weird as shit. Yeah. I can't believe it's just you and me just hanging out here. You know what I mean? It's like old days. It's like school days, buddy. I don't, uh. Jerry, what was your last name? Brutus, it's me. It's Big Guy. You remember me. You uh, call me Jerry the Big Guy. We're having a good time. I used to go buzz, buzz. What's the news? What's happening? Buzz, buzz. And you say, hey, Jerry the Big Guy. You uh, remember? Did you, uh, are you the kid who, you would eat your boogers and, and, your, and you would show us your- f- It was the fungus guy. The fun- You're the fungus guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? yeah, fungus kid. What's up, dude? That's not how I want you to remember me, but that's, that's fine. Right. I mean, I, I wish that that's not what you remembered, but... Anyway, let's get on with this trial. We got to get you convicted. <laughs> so after high school, Jerry was released and tried attending college for a couple of years. He was damn good with electronics, but was lazy and either failed out of or quit every school he went to. Hmm. 
And at 20, he joined the army. There, he said he began to believe that every night a Korean woman would break into his barracks, come to his bunk specifically, and try to seduce him. Mm. He said he physically fought her off every night, but couldn't figure out why none of his other bunk mechs remarked on the strange woman who was trying to fuck him every night. This is sort of like the darkest, most fucked up way that the Dan Aykroyd scene in Ghostbusters could have went. <laughs> uh-huh. He was fighting with a Korean ghost woman in his sleep. All night, just like, come on, get your fucking ass, give me up, try to seduce me, I fucking, I choose who I sleep with, I, it's not consensual, this is rape, and he's beating up this woman, and he's just like, no one wants to stop me? No. But none of this was real, right? He literally, all of this shit was him, it's just a weird ass fantasy, but he obviously had to have been making sounds in his sleep. Also, I am consciously making him sound like Cartman from South Park. <laughs> I'm starting to realize that he is Cartman. I think so. Jerry reported all of his fights with the Korean woman in the middle of the night to his chaplain, who in turn reported Jerry to an army psychiatrist who discharged Brutus from service <laughs> after only seven months due to Jerry's quote-unquote bizarre obsessions. Okay, it's just immediately kicked out of the army. Immediately. They're like, okay. get, get him yes. out of here. Get, we do yes. not need him. We do not need we have. We still have plenty of fine young men left over from World War II and the Korean War. Get yeah. this guy out of here. Not sane enough for Vietnam. Yeah. I mean, well, this is a uh, this is at this point still peacetime. Yeah, but we're we're yeah, starting we're to ramp there. We're starting to ramp up to Vietnam, but at this point, yeah, we can let go of a couple of duds okay. here and there. We didn't need everyone we could get yet. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on 
hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Now, after getting kicked out of the Army, Jerry moved back in with his parents and took the room his brother Larry used when he wasn't at college. But when Larry returned, Jerry was forced to live in the shed behind the house where he covered all the windows to, quote, keep out the light. I need it to be completely dark in here because, number one, everyone loves a pale complexion. It's a sign of richness. It's a sign of purity. Also, I burn. Also, no one wants to see me. I choose to stay in the shed. I don't care. I like the shed. Yeah, all right, yeah. I don't need to stay in the house. Who needs all that access to the television and the refrigerator (laughs) Uh and the bathroom? (laughs) So there's some, like, schizophrenia or something going on here, huh? I Well, no, because he's starting to build his own little underwear dungeon. Oh. So he doesn't want anybody to look inside the shed. And nobody's just going in the shed. I see. But he doesn't want anybody in the backyard to accidentally look through the windows and see uh, that guy is uh, draping his bed with un- with bras and panties. Oh, okay. What we are starting to see now is the physicalization of, the, of, his, of his compartmentalizing his personality, which is going to turn it later. A lot of serial killers do this. John Wayne Gacy did it with his basement. Ed Gein did with his mother's room. All this stuff where it's like, now that the shit, now that he has his own little space out in the shed, he's going to start, he's collecting panties, he's collecting foot, like, shoes, he's stealing shit, and he's hoarding them all in this little fucking gross backyard room where his, you know no one wants to go back there. No one wants to go and see what Jerry's doing. He's got a bed covered like the ceiling of a coyote ugly, just full of <laughs> random brassieres and underwear and things. It just seems like this guy has some major problems here, Marcus. <laughs> I'm just going to go out there and say it. Thank you. Now, Jerry's constant failures in life were by this time building into a dangerous frustration that was directly related to his frustrated sexuality. He started stalking women whose shoes turned him on, and when it was safe for him to do so, He'd attack them, strangle them until they passed out, and run off with their footwear. Hmm. Now, it's very possible that Jerry was actually trying to kill these women, or was, at the very least, playing around with the idea. Yeah. 
he might have actually thought he killed him at first, as most people pass out before they die of strangulation. The police also said shit at being like, yeah, it's easy to choke a woman. <laughs> yeah. like, they're always talking about how easy it is to be like, you'd be surprised how easy you could just make a woman go down by just choking her and choking her. <laughs> not like I've tried. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot of good police work is happening here once again. I mean, there's not a whole lot to do in something like this, because a lot of times, like, the girls didn't even see him. Hmm. Like, he would attack him from behind, but, you know, sometimes he would do it in broad daylight. Like, it wasn't just women that were, you know, walking alone uh, down a dark alleyway. I mean, I mean, you got a people. slightly taller Danny DeVito just putzing <laughs> around town, choking he's out women big. and taking he's their like, shoes. I just feel like this is an identifiable person. I mean, he's like 6'1", 260. Oh, is he 6'1"? Yeah. But his father was so tiny. Yeah. Yeah. He was a, Brutus was a, he was a huge redheaded dude. Oh. Ben. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody Six we know. 6'1 is tiny by my standards. <laughs> 6-1 is, is a small person by Kissel standards. <laughs> so after Jerry attacked these women, he would take the shoes back to his dark little backyard shed and sleep with them. And unfortunately for four poor souls later on, Brudos found that each time he did this, he felt more powerful when dealing with his mother. But while his nights were filled with horrors, Jerry had finally found something worthwhile to do during the day. He found that he was pretty damn good with electronics. So after getting his FCC license, he got a job at a radio station in Corvallis, Oregon as an engineer. Hold on, what? He's working in radio now? He's working as an engineer. He's a podcaster. No, he's this not. Is, he's it's, an engineer. it's interesting. He's so we have a situation where the man grew up Playing in a dump. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then he did. He get in. He got into shoes there a little bit. Yeah, and then he, yeah. he went into radio. False and, equivalency. Huh. False equivalency. He was huh. a radio engineer. We had one of these at KTXT back in Lubbock. His name huh. was Randy, and he was useless. Huh. Radio engineers are not the people now, Marcus, on air. Marcus, They're not DJs. Am I right to say this? You had fungus growing on you as a child. I had a fungus on my head for a number of months that no one was positively <laughs> able to identify. Yes. <laughs> but well, bring out that Marcus boy over here. Uh -huh. Bring over here. I want to take a look at this head. Well, this is obviously, he's got dump fever. <laughs> you been allowing this child to perform playful acts in a dump? Did they take me all the way to Georgia for a specialist? I, well, you got it's dump like fever. You got to go somewhere. You got, might, might have to go to the Mayo Clinic for that. People talk like that like 500 miles away from where I grew up. God damn it. Uh -huh. So where do they talk like where you're from? Oh, we got this boy's got dump fever. Uh, there we go. It's slightly dumber than your accent. <laughs> No, it's, it's not, not dumber. I'm not offending the state of Texas. Do I love not, Texas. Everything's bigger that. in Texas. We will get shot. I love Texas. Just because some, just because someone's got a goddamn accent, don't make them mall. I don't think so. Thank I you, certainly Marcus. don't think that. I'm from Wisconsin. We don't have an accent. <laughs> Now, there at the radio station, Jerry seemed to actually somewhat make friends with a couple of the guys who worked there, but he still couldn't bring himself to actually speak to a woman. That is, until a young boy introduced him to 17-year-old Darcy Metzler. This okay. is what I understand. There was, like, a little kid just hanging out in the radio station. They had, like, a station boy. Yeah. And he was joking about how, like, the kid was poking fun at, at fucking Jerry Burdos. Going, like, hey, you're always alone. Nobody gives a shit about you. Nobody. Because you, huh? you big ugly mook. Look at you, you dumb head over there. You got your, you got your weird little fingers. You got mushroom fingers. And you got your dumb head. And he's just like, yeah, you think you fucking hot shit? You think you're hot shit, little king? Then why don't you go fucking bring me a girl then? He's like, hey, I bet I can. I got one right for you, for you. And he brought him Darcy. This little kid just like, yeah, I got a check. 
that you could have. Now, maybe it was the age difference as Jerry was a few years older, but for some reason, Darcy and Jerry Brudos hit it off. It's pretty easy to see what Jerry saw in her. Uh, she was shy, submissive, unintimidating. Uh, and for Darcy's part, she just wanted out of the house, and it helped that her parents were immediately repulsed by Jerry Brudos, which mm. made him all that more attractive to Darcy. I mean, usually when you go against your parents' will when it comes to finding a mate, they're at least, like, attractive, like a bad boy that yeah. has a motorcycle, someone who smokes way too many cigarettes, which will come back later to haunt them, and you will have to take care of them as they die in early death. Uh -huh. But nonetheless, it's cool. This guy looked like the Violator, uh, <laughs> you know. And he looked he like Clown Violator. looked yeah. like Clown Violator, and so she just got it all wrong. It's like, just, just because your parents hate him doesn't mean he's cool. Yeah. Her parents were right. Yeah. They were like, he looks like a serial serial killer. <laughs> he seems to behave like a serial killer. And she's like, nah, mom, you don't get it. Nah. His penis is almost four inches long. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, Jerry was actually, he was able to make her laugh. And you know, he was also six years older, which at, to a 17-year-old, that can be mistaken for maturity. Just because someone is older, it's like, oh, he's so mature. Mm. He knows the ways of the world. He's mature. <laughs> Pretty soon they were fucking. Uh, Darcy got pregnant, and the two were married after only knowing each other for six weeks. Oh, jeez. You just know when you know. I guess. Yeah. And at first, things were pretty all right for the couple. They were constantly naked in the house, which Jerry loved and Darcy was okay with. Yeah. But then the pictures started, mm. and shit got real weird real fast. Started fairly tame uh, with Darcy posing naked in black high heels. Yeah. Then Jerry started getting creative. In one, Jerry asked Darcy to ride their daughter's tricycle naked with her breasts flopped over the handlebars. And in another, she wore nylons over her face, distorting her features. You gotta get your own sex tricycle. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, you're like, you gotta have a whole separate line of goods. Yeah. That's just related for saucy stuff. Yeah, but it's, it's no longer your daughter's tricycle. No. No. No, no, no. And then things started to cool down a little. Of course, you know, they knew each other for six weeks. Darcy was pregnant for nine months, and then they had a couple of years of just having a baby around. But once Megan reached toddler age, Darcy decided that she didn't want to be in one of those households where dad dong just hangs freely. Oh, So yeah. she put a stop to that. Yeah, we all know d there's something about dad dong that's very interesting. It just becomes so much like longer. Yeah. And weirder. Like you've been hanging weights on it. There's something <laughs> it becomes like twisted like a tree branch. <sighs> My friend Corey, his dad was always nude and always like coming in the room after a shower at his workout, just like like wiping his balls. But it wasn't sexual. No. It was just in a weird locker room thing and, and that I don't I never did because we had thankfully we had stalls in our gym showers, so I didn't have to see other penis. Well, there was something about fathers. They would do whatever they wanted on that house, completely nude, and they would just be like, I pay the bills. Yeah. So I'm allowed to just dangle dingle whenever I want to. <laughs> But there are rules. Well, the thing about uh, Darcy is that she also wasn't a kid anymore. She'd married Jerry at the age of 17, but by the time she was 20, she decided to stand up for herself at least a little, telling Jerry that the heels he made her well wa wear while doing housework naked hurt her back. Naturally. She's like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Of course. Yeah. And every time Darcy turned on one of Jerry's ideas, he would, in her words, become depressed. And when mm. Jerry gets depressed, Jerry gets himself a whole mess of underwear. So this guy does have some BTK Dennis Raider-like uh, tendencies also, right? Yeah. Well, he liked, oh, yeah. he liked the role play. 
He really liked the idea that everybody thought of him as really as normal and that on the in, his inner life, he was all fucking weird and fetishy. He liked the house being super sexualized. But the problem is you have a kid in there all the time. And it's like, and I, I'm down. I would fucking like, we're, we're, I love being nude. and I love all that kind of shit. But I also don't have a child. I also know that you have to... I think that there are times for it. <laughs> That's very nice of you are, to say it. Like you have to like... And Jerry completely ignored his daughter. He wanted nothing to do with her. But when Darcy got pregnant again in 1967, Jerry decided to be the supportive parent his mother never was, just so long as it was a son, completely repeating what his mother had done to him. Mm. But when it came time for Darcy to give birth, she didn't allow Jerry in the delivery room, saying she thought it wasn't proper for Jerry to see her being, quote-unquote, played with Ugh. by another man. What kind of doctor did they go to? <laughs> doctor Feelgood. I guess. Oh my god, is that Doctor Vince Neal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only shirtless doctor in, in Sacramento. But they said too is that he he said that Jerry Brutus was incredibly jealous of Darcy. Yeah. He was really, really mm. jealous of any single thing that he did, but also he was obsessed with being in the room for the birth. So she essentially had the kid while he was at work and didn't tell her. Like she went to the hospital, didn't tell her that she was in she was in labor. He find he finds out afterwards that she's already had the kid, and he is so depressed he disappears for two or three days in this weird sort of punishment that he does to her. Every single time she doesn't do exactly what he wants, but also his like obsession with seeing the birth was also very strange, yeah. more than what a father normally is wanting to be present for the child. Yeah, he wanted to see the baby come out. He wanted okay. to be there to watch the head crown out of the vagina. All right. Specifically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it, Kessel. I don't know what the reaction should be. At least it's not, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Now, the sex between the two dried up altogether after the birth of their son, Jason, with Darcy becoming repulsed by the very idea of even touching Jerry. Hmm. She spent all her time out with her girlfriends while Jerry fiddled with electrical projects in the garage while his mother, whom he openly despised, took care of the kids. In early 1967, the family moved to Portland. That same year, Jerry was involved in an accident that he says was what sent him over the edge from assault into murder, but I wouldn't give it too much credence mm. as he later claimed in prison that the whole thing was caused by hypoglycemia. Hypoglycemia? Mm-hmm. What is, what is this all? If the, you what? get hangry. Oh, interesting. And that makes all the sense in the world. Well, either way, Jerry was repairing an industrial electrical device when he accidentally touched a live wire and had 480 volts of electricity sent through his body, enough to blow him across the room and injure his neck when it mm. snapped back from the current. Now, this excuse does sound like horseshit, but... I did find a study published by the University of Montreal in 2008 that found that there's sometimes a link between behavioral and psychiatric changes and accidental electric shock above 120 volts. Of course, our listeners have all seen Ernest Goes to Jail. <laughs> of course. And sees that when you get when you get electrocuted, sometimes you do something weird, anti-Ernest. Oh, absolutely. You start buffing the ceiling like it's a floor. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So this guy... 
He's had sort of a what is it, Emperor Palpatine? Is that the man who can that's shoot the, man. the uh, that's good? Wow, Emperor very good. Palpatine. Good job, Ben. No problem. <laughs> I'm not going to nerd alert myself there. I know a lot about Star Wars, uh, so he could have had a little fun with it, but I guess he didn't. He did not. No. 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 But at the same time, you know, even if you know the electrical charge did cause some sort of a behavioral change, Jerry's behavior had already started to climb its way back up to where it was when he was living in his mother's shed. He'd already started stealing underwear and shoes again, and it was only a matter. of time Hmm. before his behavior would escalate even further. And again, he would use the behavior of the women in his life as the reasons why he did it. He Once the sex tried up in between, in between him and his wife, he turned it all against her. Basic being like, it was your responsibility. When they were fucking all the time and they were nude all the time, he had no problems. He was not stepping out and doing too much fucked up shit. It was only every once in a while. And as soon as it stopped, as soon as Darcy wanted a normal life, quote unquote, a normal life, he couldn't handle it anymore. He's a child. You know, He's he just uh, he just doesn't he he wants what he wants, and if he doesn't get it, then he acts out in the worst way possible. All right. uh, he's a horrible piece of shit of a human being. He's selfish. He's narcissistic. He's sociopathic. Uh, he is like a chicken with five legs. Oh my God! Now I've <laughs> yes. heard it all. Can't believe God would make him. I uh, uh, can't believe God would make him. He uh, should not exist. Five-legged chicken. <laughs> oh my goodness! And this personality type is all over the place. I'm not oh, yeah. going to get into the politics of our time. No. But my goodness, are, are there a lot of these types out there? Oh, Just absolutely. Just ba- man babies. Yeah, man babies. Who, they don't get what they want, so they they act out right. and they throw little fucking temper tantrums because Always. they can't handle the fact that other people don't want to live in their own little personal universe. Mm-hmm. Pieces of shit. Now, right before the accident, Jerry went out for a knock and grab. But this time, he decided to follow the woman. I mean, it, you I make mean, it sound like a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got to go down to get a loaf of bread at the knock and grab. But this time, Jerry decided to follow the woman whose shoes caught his eye home. Mm. He waited until she was asleep, broke in, strangled her to unconsciousness, and raped her. Now, Jerry found that it wasn't the strangling that turned him on. It was the limpness of the unconscious body. Now, Mm. like a lot of other serial killers, Jerry had accidentally discovered what he wanted most out of his sexuality, and in his case, it was necrophilia. When you say accidentally discovered... See, I don't know if that is an accidental discovery. French fries were an accidental discovery. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Um, a- Antarctica. America was an accidental discovery. I don't know if just necrophilia is. But he still took her shoes when he left, and he later claimed that they were his favorite pair. Oof. After Jerry discovered that what he really wanted all along was pretty much just a human doll, he started fantasizing about keeping female corpses in a freezer that he could take out and play with whenever he wanted. For Jerry, his fantasy wasn't about the kill. It was about the body. This puts him firmly in the camp of product killers, Mm. along with people like Jeffrey Dahmer. But unlike Dahmer, Brutos very much enjoyed the killing. But for him and killers like him, the kill itself isn't the be-all, end-all like it is for, say, a Gary Ridgway. All product killers want is the body. And Jerry Brudos would get his first on January 26, 1968, when Linda Slauson knocked on his front door. Mm. Linda Slauson was a 19-year-old encyclopedia saleswoman. On January 26, 1968, she got off the bus in Jerry's neighborhood as she had made an appointment with someone on Jerry Street to sell some encyclopedias. Mm. But this being... Oregon, it was raining, so the ink that the address number was written on had smudged. 
She walked until she saw Jerry Brudos in his front yard, who waved at her like he was expecting her. Mm. When Linda told him why she was in the neighborhood, Jerry pretended like he knew exactly what she was talking about, said he was the one who called, and asked if she would join him in the basement to talk further, as his mother was watching his son in the house. You never have to talk in the basement. Never talk in the basement. If anybody immediately invites you to the basement, unless you're there to see... Uh, I don't know the basement. The basement <laughs> only, like literally, if you are in the if you are in the basement buying business, if it is a basement appointment, that is it. No, but the decision to kill really was that fast. Jerry Brudos is just hanging out in his yard. A pretty girl shows up, and in the span of a short conversation, he decides this is the first woman he's going to kill. He's like, now, now's the moment. Horrible. Well, he realized in that very moment that what we're going to see later on is that he's not one of those stalker guys. He's not one of the guys like like BTK would build up, and Richard Ramirez would build up over a month. He would be very spur of the moment when he chose who to kill, and this was the first one. He like got it, and this is all while his mother is sitting in the house watching the kids. Hmm. But perhaps that was how. The point. So he's downstairs in the basement with this woman. First kill. Got the kids upstairs and the mother. I mean, this guy. I mean, obviously he's a true sociopath, mm-hmm. but he's also very courageous for a first kill, isn't he? Doesn't it seem like this is uh, kind of um, uh, escalated? I mean, usually people. Oh, well, it's not. You know, it sort of goes with the Ted Bundy. Like sometimes you forget where you put the lug wrench yeah. or whatever the heck it is. But it seems like a pretty dangerous uh, scenario. It's arrogance. It's arrogance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say courageous. I'd say it's definitely more. Just, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm using that in a in a different kind of way. But oh, yeah. of course. But yeah, it's a, it's just total and complete arrogance. Jerry Brutus was an extremely arrogant human being very much full of himself in fact uh he would go from job to job and at every job he would carry a little binder with all of his like certificates in them just carry them around so he could show them to people Ugh. all the little achievements uh that he had gained over the years i don't even want to utter the man's name but it's like our president <laughs> yes oh yeah the one that gets that, that two, gets two a day two a day and two binders a day of positive news about himself i see that and nice pictures piece of shit. Yeah. oh nice pictures wanted to make him look pretty uh-huh how old is he again oh my god so once jerry brudos and linda slauson were down in the basement slauson sat down on a stool jerry walked behind her picked up a two by four and smashed her in the head as hard as he could she fell mm. to the floor where he finished the job by strangling her to death. He then hid her body under the staircase, went upstairs to the house, and told his mom to take the kids out to get some hamburgers. Now, FBI profiler Mark Safarik had a damn good point to make about this move in the booklet The Shoe Fetish Slayer. Safarik said that what enables these people to get away with crimes like this isn't that they're smart. It's that they are completely unaffected by the crimes they're committed. Brudos had just murdered a woman for the first time, and there he was just calmly telling his mother, go get him a double cheeseburger. Hmm. He, he also got a sexual thrill out of it. He got a sexual thrill out of the idea of that he's getting one over on everybody. I think that there's like, a, and again, we're seeing the compartmentalization. That basement becomes the place where he can be the real Jerry Brudos for a second. Yeah, and after Jerry got rid of his mom, he heard more footsteps upstairs. Jerry's buddy, Ned, who had a key to the place, had just waltzed in looking to hang out. Hey there, uh, Jerry, what are you doing down there? Hey, nothing, man. Just fucking leave me alone. <laughs> I was just coming over to say, I know that I know that we, you know, you're really interested, there's a sale at the Payless. <laughs> uh, if you want to come with me, I know you like to hang out there because I like that orange Julius next to it. 
Yeah, but I tell you what, I, I, one thing about a Payless is what they don't understand is I would pay more. <laughs> You're the best, Jerry. Friendship. Friendship. So Jerry went upstairs and talked to Ned for about 10 minutes. And he said that he made sure to not appear too eager to get down to the basement. But it wasn't out of anxiety from just killing a person. It was excitement to get back to what he saw as nothing more than a plaything. Oh, my goodness. So after he finally got rid of Ned by telling him he was making nitroglycerin in the basement and needed to concentrate. Wait, what? Making nitroglycerin. Ned, you gotta get out of here. Was this something he did previously? I think, he, well, he was a projects guy. Just making nitro in the basement, Ned. You know, classic Brutos. So Jerry went back downstairs and took the girl's body out into the open. When he later confessed the crime to police, he said he couldn't remember what she wore on the outside, but he could describe her undergarments down to the last detail. He then stripped her corpse naked and dressed her in different lingerie from his personal collection. Thing was, though, since this was such a spur-of-the-moment decision, Brutus had no film to take pictures. Instead, he took her foot, sawing it off with a hacksaw. He kept it in his freezer and would periodically take it out to model his favorite shoes. Now, in my estimation, is that like, you know, I I, I don't mind feet. Like, I like them. You know what I mean? But my whole thing is like, have it all attached. And maybe that's the big difference between me and Jerry Brudos. I think that's one of the bigger differences. I like differences. to have the conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like all the body parts attached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is when you two have finally figured out the big difference between you and Jerry Brudos? Not me. Henry Zabrowski. I'm just saying. Brudos' father over here. <laughs> uh, after removing the foot at about 2 a.m., Brudos loaded the body into his car, drove it to a bridge over the Willamette River, parked, and set up a jack and spare tire to make it look like he was fixing a flat. He tied Linda Slauson's body to an engine head to sink it down and threw it over the railing, and a few months later, the foot would follow, and neither would ever be found. Linda Slauson was the first of four murder mm. victims to fall prey to the shoe fetish slayer. What a scumbag. All right. Wow. Jerry Brudos, shoe fetish slayer. Interesting story. Interesting stuff. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not a cool guy. Not a cool guy. You know, he's just not, he's not a cool guy. You know, he was not a sweet guy. Mm. He was, he was a, a guy. He actually has every Gross. not cool trait. He's he, a human, he's a human mushroom, <laughs> just covered in fungus, morbidly obese, a horrible person yeah. all around. Mm -hmm. Best part about him? Work for the radio. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, is that not admirable? It's a cool job. In a way. Not it's a pretty, quite enough I mean, to balance it, is a it cool out. Job. En engineer is definitely like the least cool job at the radio That's station. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's a, but it's still at the radio station. It's still pretty cool. You get invited to the after parties. You know what I mean? Like, you still get invited. Like, you're the weird guy. Mm. No, like, you don't. You I don't know. We never show, invited like, Randy to parties. Yeah, you don't. You have to, you're too busy. You have to go edit the show, clean up the studio. No, engineer is more the electronics guy. He's the guy that keeps all the nuts and bolts running. Like, say you lose your signal, you got to call up Randy and be like, Randy, we lost the signal. Randy's like, oh, I'll get to it later. And Randy, you're like, it's like, Randy, we're losing yeah. listeners with every fucking second. It's your job to go fix the fucking antenna. And, then and Randy's Ra like, oh, I'm at dinner with my family right now. Yep, and then Randy's like, I'll go back on the roof. I'll hold a bunch of tinfoil. Okay. Thank you, Randy. No problem. Cut to Randy's just in a basement covered in women's lingerie. It's been like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I my goodness. All right. Mess. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for listening, uh, everyone. Let's see. What do we have to do? I want to thank everyone again in San Francisco. Outside Lands Festival was so incredible, and uh, the fans that came out were awesome. Uh, let's oh. see. What else do we got? I want to send a thank you, special thank you to our boys out in Iraq. 
at the 1st 325th Airborne Infantry Regiment, specifically Specialist Johnson and Specialist Cole Bennett. Hell yeah. Cole Bennett. That's the the husband of uh, one of my research assistants. All those boys out in Iraq, they listen to us all the time. Want to give them a little uh, uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, service. but not not in the corny way. Thanks for everything you do, man. That's fucking badass. We can't wait to have you back here in America. Airborne Infantry Regiment. That's Awesome. awesome. Hell yeah. Thanks, everyone, for uh, giving us giving to our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash last podcast on the left is where you go for that. We got uh, upcoming shows uh, in Vancouver and Calgary. Come on out to those boys. Come on, guys. If you're in Vancouver and Calgary, we're trying to sell more tickets. It's honestly, it's it, we got room. Come up. If you're somewhere else in, I don't know where else in Canada that you would come from there. I don't know. But I would say just go there. Go to Calgary for a night. We, because when it comes down to it, it's being like, we, we have nothing to do in Calgary that night. Yeah. We will definitely be drinking in a weird place yep. in Calgary. So please come join us, have company. Um, also, big announcement. We're doing a show October 28th in Los Angeles at El Rey Theater. It, it, we are doing a gigantic Halloween gala. It's this, called the Samhain Gala. It's all for charity. Every single bit of the proceeds go to a charity called My Friend's Place. And we're going to have a bunch of people from the entire network, a, b- a bunch of special guests. There's going to be a dance piece that's presented by me, like the last podcast on the left. And Natalie Jean, and this shit's gonna be amazing. Yeah, this is this is the place to be. If you if you are in Los Angeles area or want to come to Los Angeles area for Halloween weekend, come on out to the L Ray. Can't wait to see you all over Halloween. That's gonna be a great time. We got a bunch of shows coming up, so we'll see you out there on the open road. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for listening to all the other shows here. Abling is top app for everything political. Roundtable of gentlemen, Wizard and the Bruiser for your video game talk and things like that. Mm-hmm. Movie signs with the Mads, uh, page seven. Sex under human activities, and I feel like I'm missing a couple there. Uh, but check them all out. They're all great. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much. Go, go check it all out. And no, we have not left cavecomedyradio.com. Cave Comedy Radio is merely uh, metamorphizing into something into something new that we hope to have launched uh, by next week. Uh, so everything's yep. cool. Everything's fine. All the shows are all on track. Uh, but we are we are becoming the butterfly that we were always meant to become. We're just yes. having a bit of a... Uh, Difficulty getting out of the cocoon. Well, thank yeah. and thank you so much for your patience. You know, this is a great learning experience for all of us, but we're all in this together. Hey, um, and this we, is a we've, DI- we've been together since day one. Yeah, it's just three people doing this shit. Yeah, it's we just don't us. have a staff. Yeah, it's, well, just it's, us. it's us and Travis. Yes. Yeah, and, and a yes. couple of people. But yeah, this is this whole thing. This but, is a DIY operation, so uh, uh, things might not run as smoothly as they do uh, with all the big corporations out there. But you know, I think that's why part of the reason why you guys like listening to us because. You know, we are completely and totally DIY. We do all this shit ourselves, and we're kind of making it all up as we go along. So sometimes it's bumpy, but you know what? We always get it done, and we always get you guys uh, the fucking content that you deserve. We're trying our best, and uh, honestly, we couldn't do it without you. Hail yourselves, everyone. Thank you so much for all your support. And Absolutely. You guys are the best. And the way you can do that, too, is by following us on Twitter. Follow at Henry Loves You, at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel. Follow us on Instagram, at Dr. Fantasy, at Marcus, Car- at Marcus Parks, at Ben Kissel, the number one. And follow Last Podcast on the left on all of the bullshits at LP on the left and you know what I'm going to do this you go on iTunes you give us a five star rating and you and you say Henry sent me there I will give you a high hello and in a way that I don't know how yet so you're <laughs> threatening to hit them but I just said no, that a high hello no I will you think hit a them. high hello is a punch I have I, no idea no, what a high hello is high hello that's just saying it yeah 
All right. <laughs> oh, and also, if you got stories you want to send to get the response of Son of Sam himself, uh, David Berkowitz, uh, email sonofsam060153 at Gmail, and I will read those things for our Patreon account. Awesome. All right, hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me. Honestly, Satan's the only one that's going to help us through these trying times. You've got to believe. I don't know about all that, but Magustalations. Magustalations. You've got to believe. <laughs> all right, it's time for the Patreon last podcast shoutouts. Thanks, everyone who donated. We really appreciate it. You're lifesavers, and we love you. Hail yourselves. Um, all right, let's, should I start? You should start. All right. The, oh, the first name. Is Chris Thorin. Thank you, Chris. Allison. Uh, Holly Blackler. Rebecca Turpin. Boone Haley. Elizabeth Matika. Thomas Triong. Barrett Madison. Richard Rich Jant. James Moore. Alex Gillespie. Ooh, Gillespie. That's good. He's a good jazz musician. Adam Orshinoff. Greer Sanders. Andrew Eastwood. Neil McGinnigan. McGinnigan. Ooh, look at that. Uh, Jake Wyman. Cat Todd. Emmett. Lisa Kelly. William Alex Harris. Christopher Perillo. Uh, Annalise Del Hall. Charles Coates. Michael Ratliff. Ashley Deernaley. Tender Branson. Ooh, Tender Branson. If you're not in the adult entertainment business, maybe get in it with a name like Tender Branson. Uh, Jared Hadley. Chaz Stevens. Lane Ahrens. Becky Underwood, Kevin DeHart, Richard Pila, Catherine Weibel, Corin Fortunato, Jacob DeVoy, Dustin, Nicole Lake, Allison McNeil, Wade Owl, ooh, Wade Owl, fun name, Andra Scholar, uh, Scalrud, Santo, Santos, Santos Borbo, Santos Borbo? <laughs> Santos Borbo, that's fun. Uh, Katie Intiman, Taylor Zuber, Vicky Sloan. Hello, Vicky. Carrie Santana and Isabel Arnold. Amelia Hakenson. Vivian Asimos. Tone Trose. Joel Wells. Rory Chambers. Jean. Brianna. Tanya Williams. Jan, I love you. Keith Taylor. Robert Rosney. Kyle Lindsay. Calum Roberts. What's going on, bruh? Dan Sawyer, Ella Ward, Naomi Nader, Sarah Paling, Sarah Paling, Hannah Hibbard, Jay Ochoa, Alan Myers, Kate Westerman, Amanda Cohen, Nathan fucking Fisher, Blaze, Megan McFadden, Meredith Thomason Keniston, Brooke Ferguson, Sarah Patton, Danny D, David Tanton, Natalie Worsham, Kyle Ewer, Pulled a bit of a you were there. Chris Hewson, Kai McKenzie, Bobby Thacker, Stephen Brailsford, Jennifer Gorman Boyce, Boyce, Autumn Storm, Jillian Logan, Evan Fox, Christy Flynn, Liam Desley, Harry Gray, yeah, that's called my father's bottom. <laughs> Some kind of Swedish name. Celeste Napoli. Kiny Fryer. Fran Colton. Alexandra Williams. Christopher Hitchman. Molly Clement. 
I got George Gleason, mm-hmm. Saxon Bell, mm. Grace Ulrich, like Lars Ulrich. Oh, look at that. Alice Herman, Jen Stefan Collin, Alice Herman, Joe Maddox, Hodge Twins, Nathan Allen, Haley Thomas, John Scharer, Tisha Bush, Wonga, Alex Keller. This is a fun list. It is kind of fun. Alex Keller, Kate Platt, Angelique Long, Marissa Michaels, Andrew LaBoy, Jonathan Vega, Kim Rideout, Shelby Stevens, Patrick LeBute, Taylor Arsenault, Kyle Easton, Jason E. Geis, Paladin Freelance, Jason Gross, Ricky Bobbledge, Dennis Gannon, Jasmine Liu, Andrew Zaranti, Tom Trachemowicz, <laughs> Sarah Alfiero, Allison Foley, Philip, Philip Weichselgartner, Alex er, Shelby Bogus, Alicia Barodine, Patrick Warnke, Warnke, Airport, <laughs> Bethany Z, Zymon Maziel, The Eminent Dr. D, Wes Carden. Carolyn Pagel. Hey, hey, Carolyn. Carolyn's a very big fan. Thank Hello, you. Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn. Esther Pounds. <laughs> Emily Baldassara. Jono Leono. Chris Miles. Jessica Molly Thorne. Zachariah Rucker. Chuck Burns. Zachariah Rucker. Ooh. And Sarah Hill. All right. I got Luke Mackey. I got Zeta. Alisa Tara. Terry. Alisa Terry. Jody Berry, Cuss Bunny, uh oh, Ryan Anto, Lindsay Ad, Michelle Soto. Hello, Michelle. How are you? Serial Chillers. Hey, Michelle. Serial Chillers Podcast. Bryce Lyle. Lyle? Bryce Lyle. Okay. Tyler Tyler Meowth. It's M E U T H. Is it Meowth? Meowth. Meowth. <laughs> Tyler Meowth. Uh, Allie. Nicole McFadden. Guy Rivers, Ski Boy, Douglas Vandelay, Wretched Owl, Aaron Lemmers, Mike Warby, Luis, and the real Henry Z. Oh, very intriguing. The real what? Henry Z. Go fuck yourself. All right. I'm me. Well, they are giving us money, so technically they are you. <laughs> um, all right. I'll, I guess it's I'll true. Do, I'll take your money. I'll do one more here, and then I'll wrap it up. Kelly Hoover, Renee Blackwood. Jeanette Schaffer, Susan, Susie Kelly, Natalie Hubbard, Cody Hatch, John Chipley, Judes, Jillian Munford, Petrina, Rachel Rice, Christina Bennett, Annie, Laura, Laura Rowland or Roland, Paul Medeiros, Paul Medeiros, Betsy Lang, Nicholson. I love that Jack Nicholson there. 89's Batman. Very good. I watched that the other day. Rebecca. That is good. Oh, it's very good. He's the best. I actually think now, I think he's better than um, than the than the late great, uh, what was the name of the other guy? Heath Ledger. Yeah. I like Jack Nicholson's better. He's not better than Heath well, Ledger. Well, I just rewatched we'll it, so he's we'll talk about it. He's different. He's different. I know, but we, I just he's rewatched it. He's different, but he's good. He's great. Yeah, but I just watched it, and I thought he was better. <laughs> Rebecca. One, one won an Oscar for uh-huh. it. One the the role killed him to do. Well, it was so. the it was the pharmaceuticals that killed him. That's okay. Rebecca Hinden, <laughs> well, Nikki Lawrence, Stephen Teft, and Paul Haggins. Hail yourselves! Thank you all so much. The Lane family. Well, a whole family. 
Athena Moonshine, Steven Eichenhofer, Tom, Michael Murphy, Chive on. Oh, man. You just got to keep calm and chive on, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking going to go on a killing spree. Dwayne Ludwig, Brittany Kizwecki, Rob Rowlett, Peter Renslow, Flavia Janelle, Evan Roberts, Cody Hatch, Andrew Chitrella, Dale Rorig, Sideye, Robbie Collier, Tiffany Wilker, Andrew Ogden, Jenny Laka, Luke Tully, Matt Winland, Vivian Rivero, William E. Rimmer, Mason Hibbard, Jacqueline Andrus, Dan Skaken, Andrew Smith, Matthew Zick, M Megan Dufault, Sid Ian Nicholson, Ellie Brown. If this is the Ellie Brown I'm thinking about, I hope you're doing good. We'll be back in Portland again some point, and I would love to hang out with you. You're great, Ellie. Smelly Ellie. Ellie's great. Ellie. Kristen Newby. Monica Aim. Gabe Gendral. Jennifer Isbell. William Sanborn. Joe Schwartz. Lauren Wooten. Keith Egan. Corey McKissick. Elise Richardson. Barrett Travis, Eric Sanchez, Orlando Meja, Seth Kenfield, Angela, Julia, I think it's just Julia, but I like saying Julia, Brendan Cheney, and Jamie Labrolia. I got Gareth Tonin, Felicia Alvarez, Rui Marcalo, Cody Hatch, James Pabaniuk, Matthias, Matthias Martins, Jason Williams, Mackenzie Reeve, Michael Friel, Glenn Yamakawa, Ronald Cardellis, Samantha Mason, Jacob McCutcheon, Sarah, Katie Romeo, Michael Russo, Dennis Nguyen, Ryan Nelson, Austin Woodliffe, Michael Thrope, Lysha Walters, podcast right now, oh. Jeff Edwards, Cole, John Toole, Grace Eden McConley, Sean Rittner, Leah Van Dyke, Brittany Holan, Samantha Greenwood, Olivia Steen, William Love, ooh, Billy Love. Mm. Billy Ma Love. Matt Cute, Amanda Stroop, TJ Mims, Zarin Bimbashu, Miranda Larson, Jason Lucas, Jessica Nesbitt, Jared Barowitz, Rob Howell, Jason Bagwell, Hannah Wires, Caitlin Bradshaw, Kristen Merritt, Brian Stilson, Davina Wilson, Tanya Joyce, Big Black Nips. <laughs> well, that'll happen. All one word, that'll happen. Sabrina de Blasi, Jennifer Childs, Thomas, Amy Radnor, The Big Schmear, Jimma Gautier, Allison McGuire, Kyle Stamper, Ethan Barbin, Devin, Matt Roddy, Al Truist, Riley Brewer, Joe Rivedo, hmm. Francois Everdina, Jennifer Cave is a bad seed. Wow. That's all in caps. <laughs> Look at they that. mean wow. it. Wow. They, yeah, they definitely do. Yeah. Wow. Jacob Benzer, Damian Parson, Alex O'Sullivan, Sofia Vendidi, Ben Ulrich, Cara Martinez, Patrica Rayford Brown, Russ Bird. Jessica Journey, and Nick Aucelo. All right. Hail yourselves, oh, wow. everyone. Woo! Thank you Woo. for your money. 
Thanks, sweet Thank you very Satan. much. We really do appreciate Honestly, yes. Thank you. each and every one of you. Even if you just give a dollar, it is uh, greatly appreciated. Thank you guys so much uh, for supporting us here on Last Podcast on the Left. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm going to take that money. Hey. I'm going to buy a gun. Cool. All right. That, but well, don't worry. I'm not going to do anything bad with it. Ooh, but I'm just going to have it. You should buy a snub-nosed revolver, like a 44. That's not fun ooh. to play with on the couch. <laughs> Yo, that's super fun to play yeah. with. on a magnum. Oh, uh, yeah. But I want to play with something that goes... With a big magazine. Oh, you want a rifle? Yeah. Hail Satan. See, I think me and Ben are more handgun guys. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Snub nose. I really want a, I want a grenade. I want a whole crate of grenades. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hail Gene, everyone. <laughs> hail me. Kick it, you hail yourself. I did hail yourself. I've done multiple hail yourselves. Make installations. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big.